Welcome to Front Row Geeks. good third metaphor and i don't know what it was going to go with now mike is hot um no insert metaphor hi F- frg weekly <laughs> which is the not weekly podcast about frs and g's and all the seats in between how you doing everybody this is eddie baron 5x joined gracefully by asher omega yo and michael ak fetus hey y'all I'm not so sure about gracefully, but I'll take it, I guess. Honorably, beautifully, I'll I'll take it all. In, insert more flattering words for you all that, that are deserving. I was thinking less flattering, but okay, sure, have fun. Hmm. Okay, let's dive into it. Asher, you're on the chopping block. Tell us. Tell uh, us. Tell me. Tell me what you've been chewing on. Okay, I've actually been chewing on kind of a lot at least game wise uh other media not so much like like yeah i can mention that like yeah i've been watching some stuff from this anime season but most of the stuff i have access to uh not really interesting me but uh Let's see what I've got on my media diet. I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise. So and far, then, so good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then I have Near Replicant, which just came out. Oh, I have questions there too. And so I've been playing a little bit of that. Um. There is also. A uh, me slowly trying to get back into fourteen, which, uh, boy. I promise that... you all that this time next week I will I will be actively playing that game. That is a promise, a solemn vow. Is it? Yes. Okay, because I thought we. Does that mean that this Saturday we're going to be playing that instead of Subnautica? Oh shit! I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that deal with myself. Okay, cut that conversation. <laughs> Shit. Okay, leave it in. <laughs> okay. So I've been, yeah. since, since apparently I'm the final final boss, according to one of our previous titles, I've been working on my mm. evil lap a little bit. It's beautiful. I like it. Um. So that's most of it, but I'm also been trying to slowly play up some of the old games that I have in my library that I just have not really touched a lot of. Just to either A, clear them out, or B, just get to a point where it's like, okay, I don't feel like I want to play this anymore. What's some of those items? uh, Some of those items are stuff like Void Bastards, um, No Man's Sky, uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth Complete Edition, Weren't you playing that actively 
you were act, you were actively playing that at one point though, right? Did you just not finish it that in that pass through? I completed one story of it. I have not completed the other story. Because mm-hmm. it's uh, the complete edition is basically uh, two games mashed up into one package. So uh, I got you. Um, then I have Altelier Riza that I have to take care of. Yeah, that uh, one I'm going to get into because you guys have been talking that one up. I need to get into that. Riza? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you and our mutual friend talked it up. Well, talked it up back in the day, and that kept me in interest. But I haven't dove into it. Which mutual friend? Because I don't think. Uh, oh, J- uh, okay. Yeah, the the only one that we referred to is that. <laughs> well, no, we also referred to it as Thiza, but that's for a different reason. <laughs> um, the reason why I'm trying to finish up that one is so I can start working on the second game. Because that's uh, I've had that sitting in my inventory for a bit, and I'm like, I need to play that. Yeah, but... No Man's Sky is another good one too, especially because, like, they're good on them after all these years, still putting out great stuff, coming back from like below zero, <laughs> and still adding great stuff to it. I I I played it like a year and a half ago. I'm going to need to give that another pass through at some point. Yeah, yeah. same here. It's one of those where. I played it when it first came out and I agreed that it was kind of really boring and not really that interesting. And I keep hearing that it's better and better and better and better. So I really do need to go back and start a new game playthrough on it just so I can get an updated experience. Yeah. Um, I still have that installed, which is weird because like normally it's like I played it and like, okay, I'm good. Clear it out. And it's like, this time I was like, I'll just leave it in for next time it updates. Um, but yeah, some of the stuff that I have that's sitting in, in my own inventory that I need to play through and beat is uh, some of the games that I got just in, uh, that I was interested in and just haven't sat down and played them. Um the one reason why I'm kind of, it's kind of hard to gain it back into 14 is that uh, uh, Fates will know this is the fact that uh, trying to get back into an MMO when all your buddies aren't getting back into it is really hard. Yeah, that is that is absolutely accurate. Um, that actually was one of uh, several reasons why I actually ended up splitting from our old free company and joining a new one because I needed activity. I needed people who were actually on and doing the thing. Yeah. Um, versus me, it's like I'm still with the old free company, but with some of the stuff, uh, with potential drama on the horizon, if there is any. Because by drama, I mean like it. It's a happy thing for everybody that's uh, that knows him. It's just the fact that it feel uh, from my perspective is like I'm really happy for him, but I don't think he's going to be playing any games very intensively soon. Yeah, and fair enough. Because well, he literally just became a dad. Yay! Congrats to you, person. Yep. So, uh. For me, it's like I kind of want to still stay on the uh, on the old server, mostly because of the fact, uh, like, admittedly, like our big uh, our big characters are on the old server, but like I'm also saying they're going like, 
I could start a new one and join our mutual friend that uh, Michael found out that uh, a mutual or mutual friends have started playing, have started up new, uh, started up new characters on a server. Yeah. So um, like, the only thing I would caution you on that, Asher, is knowing that your schedule is already kind of heavily booked. <laughs> and this would be the day we're talking about for this would be one of your two last remaining free days. So uh, bear that in mind and to make of that what you will. Yeah. And that's why I say it's like, I think about it, not that I'm actually going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you were interested and you did want to, I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't uh, to, I know I'm kind of veering off topic since this is actually Asher's media diet and not mine because I'd never get that segment. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, basically what we're doing is it's a, gr a small group of us of mutual friends of ours that, and that I was invited to. And we're doing essentially Final Fantasy 14 with a uh, hot mic role play. So Ooh. it's going to be, kind of like uh if for those who have seen it because it is blowing the fuck up on twitch uh and i tried getting into that as well uh the gta role play um it's mm -hmm. along those lines but instead of being gta online final fantasy 14 so interesting Ooh. and sounds like a lot of fun to me but at the same time like i said it's it ends up being on one on in what little sliver of free time asher has so concern <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh also i did watch uh michael stream on his own uh that uh gta rp server that he got into mm -hmm. I, oh. I still need to watch that clip i still need to i haven't had a chance yet oh my so, god eddie i'm sorry so it's actually um it is it, it was it ended up being kind of a 50 50 um it was server drag plus the fact I had my settings up high, which was putting additional strain on what they were sending to me. So I put my settings down and I actually was playing a little bit yesterday. I didn't go live just to, I just wanted to test it. And it's, uh, it, I didn't have anywhere near the, um, loss that I was seeing before. No random walking slash driving on open air over the sea. <laughs> Jesus. So, no, sh no crazy weird, gl uh, graphical shenanigans. Yeah, no, much better. And I also have a motorcycle now. With my pizza money, I bought a motorcycle. Nice. Moving on up. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, I've been mostly trying to play Monster Hunter Rise. There's me also trying to finish out Monster Hunter World with a mutual friend of mine and Eddie's. Mm -hmm. And literally... Uh, Last Saturday, we finished up our normal, like, okay, let's try and get the stuff to gear up and do stuff for. They're like, okay, David, how about we see how that armor's going, just to see what it looks like. It's like, okay, uh, here's what it looks like. And so it's like, I geared up in the armor that's set aside and set up way that at least that I could get it to work. And A, it's not completed because it's not fully upgraded. I didn't have the correct gems for certain things. So I go fly off. I go uh, set up the, uh, the fight for Fatalis because they do something stupid where it's like, in order to start the fight with Fatalis with other people, 
you have to fight it by yourself for the first half. <laughs> and we're talking uh, a monster that you have to know what the hell you're doing. And we know my playstyle, which is, uh, I keep getting by <laughs> with the seat of my pants. <laughs> kind of flying. Uh, kind of flying. Yeah, and... because, um, let's be honest, Azure's playstyle, at least in my experience, has been, God damn it, get out of the fucking red circle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I can't help here. it. It's so beautiful. It's so toasty and warm. <laughs> yeah, that's called you burning to death. And not then the, whole, uh, uh, the factor is like, oh, hey, this enemy's not so bad. Insta death. Oh, oops. <laughs> and Michael's saying they're going, what the heck are you talking about? Oops, he just killed your res. <laughs> your okay, okay, Asher, I need to I need to circle back to something because I I need okay. to talk to you about near replicant for a little bit because okay. as someone who who played and enjoyed Autonoma quite a quite Automata. a bit, oh shit, so, wow, I'm a big fan. I can't even get the name right. We streamed it. We we enjoyed it here. I loved it. Yeah. I have. It's not negative pull, but I basically have zero pull to replicant. And that's fine. And, and it's it's weird because I had that feeling, and then I saw that 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 message or tweet or news article from the creator going, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure people are going to like this." And I'm like, "How do you know me?" Because <laughs> I don't understand why I don't. I'm not interested in. It. I don't know because it's before. Before Anamana, like, like, or ugh, shit. Okay, yeah. so I'm forgetting the name of the fucking game. <laughs> Automata near okay. Anamana. I, oh, I, I got to write that time. Okay, shit. Anamana <laughs> Pia. But so uh, to to boil stuff down, um, where near Automata came from was there was a studio called Kavia. Uh, it was basically a sub-studio of Square Enix. Um, actually, technically, it was a sub-studio of Enix that when the merger happened, then they just became uh, part of just Square Enix that did a lot of weird and niche games. And when PS2 hit, they made a game that kind of had a financial success but to be honest, it's not the best game. It is a horrible nightmare of a game when you think of it mechanically and graphically. And, and that, that would be, be Dragon Guard. Or a uh, Japanese name is Dragon Dragoon. And so Kavia decided to kind of just make some cash grabs with uh so like square enix is like oh hey make a sequel and they're like eh, okay fine they made a sequel but it was half-assed and didn't have any of the original stuff caveat had made a couple more games that were more unique to their style not quite as big and so uh kind of as their last hurrah before you know shutting the studio down and being merged properly into enix uh, Square Enix, they made the original Nier. Now, they decided, 
they decide to listen to a little bit of advice from Square Enix and it's like, hey, why don't you make two copies? Uh, one for American audiences and one for Japanese audiences. So what they made uh, was just called Near Here in the United States uh, and technically Near Gestalt in European countries. Japan got near replicant. And the difference between the two is uh, near Gestalt, uh, the main character is generally colloquially known as Father Near or Papa Near. I call him Papa Near because it's easier. And so it's basically a father and his story of trying to rescue his daughter or child. Uh, Replicant is much more in tune with Japanese sensibilities where it's brother near, the brother that's supposed to be protective of his sibling. Now, is that is that actually a different person, different story, or just diff- like, like you're saying, different sensibilities? It's slightly different sensibilities. And if you uh, back when we never got a copy of Replicant, Technically, the characterizations were much more drastic. Because, to put it bluntly, Papa Nier was the type of, this is a 40-year-old man who can take down dragons kind of thing. And you know he w- he cares for his daughter. So characterization is like, as soon as you meet him and you hear him speaking, you immediately know his character. Brother Near had a much more dark uh, or darker arc than Papa Near. Because there is a scene in Replicant that I'm not sure of how they're going to handle it since I haven't gotten there yet and I don't want to watch it and spoil it. Because uh, I watched the original Japanese cutscene where Brother Near literally broke down into a screaming rage. It's a very intense. Because, because the factor that um, there was this sense of the factor that like his quest is going to end in failure and he cannot abide, like he cannot control it anymore is the fact that he wants to scream out at just all the problems that seem to have crashed down on him. Whereas the scene with Papa Nier is uh, he just kind of goes like, yeah, this is the worst thing possible. I'm just going to weather through this and get my daughter back. Kind of speech. Mm-hmm. Um... So Brother Near is a lot more like t- uh, like what you'd expect from like a darker shonen aspect of like an anime series, whereas Papa Near is much more of you know, um, what what's that one movie with Liam Neeson? Taken. Taken. Basically, Papa Near is Liam uh, is that t- uh, style of character where it's like mm-hmm. I don't know who you are. I don't uh I don't know what you want, but I will find you and I will kill you. And I'm a secret badass. 
Not no, he's not a secret badass. He's literally okay. straight up badass. Well, I mean, like he's un- he looks unassuming in the beginning, or I mean, I don't know how this character. Oh no, this, he looks he like uh, in this case, Papineer is this big buff dude. Okay, so. I, I'm just saying there, there's trope. There was tropes for like, oh, this guy looks unassuming, some divorced dad, some guy's washed up. Oh, he turns out to be a secret badass assassin. What do we do? <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. So, so how fun is this game so far, and how does it match up against what I'm familiar with? In this case, you might like Replicant, because um, trying to play the original Nier, because I still have access to it, and I tried booting up and playing it. Oh, God, that is a muddy mess. It is a product of its time. <laughs> uh, well, considering that it was the last thing by Kavya, and they tried their best... Whereas what happened with Automata is most of the Kavia team decided to help oversee what was happening with the help of Platinum Games doing the uh, actual grunt work. Um, Replicant, uh, Toy Logic, the people that did the uh, remake remaster uh, or remake master, whatever you want to call this, because it's not quite either. Um, the controls are a lot more responsive and a lot more, like, snappy. So it does, uh, like, if you've played Automata, you'll probably like uh, Replicant because it is definitely very responsive. Okay. If you tried playing the original Nier, you'd be going like, oh, God, how did we get Automata from this? <laughs> okay. Um, that, that's promising. That, that, that gives me a little more hope, and I might, I might need to go ahead and give it a try again. Also, or not again, but just give it a try. Give it a try. Um, otherwise, poor Yoko Taro and his one buddy are going to be selling it out of the back of a van. But it's doing better than that. That that sounds like he's just joking, because I, I have to imagine this game is doing, doing well, if for nothing else off the strength of Nier Automata. Yeah, it, it's just one of those fun jokes that they had where it's like literally... Uh, Yosuke Saito. It's like, please. It's a, a, in an actual interview. It's like, if we don't shift a certain number of uh, amount, then Mr. Yoko and myself will be forced to travel the world selling the <laughs> game out of the back of a van. Ah, and Mr. Okabe will have to come along too. So now you know this. Please keep supporting the near series. Please, anything but the van. That might backfire on them. I'm sure there's plenty of people who would love to meet him out in a van. Can you sign my copy? Oh my god, it's you. <laughs> I would find it. I would so try and travel to the closest location if they did that. Yeah, I'm saying he might. He might want to rethink that statement. <laughs> but so okay. in that case, like Replicant, I definitely recommend it. Um, if you're a huge fan of the Near series, um, if you're thinking about like, oh, hey, what the hell happened in the previous game, and. You, yeah, like you kind of want to experience like the very first game that tried doing like a 3D version of a bullet hell game. Replicant is also a good <laughs> uh, show of that because they recaptured that immediately. Mm, okay, nice, nice. Okay. Um, but uh, as somebody that is a fan of the Nier series, you don't have to play Replicant or the original or, or Gestalt. Or uh, on the PS3, 
to uh, to enjoy Anamata or get more depth out of it. You'll just see the funny little nods that occasionally happened in Automata. Okay, so. I'm going to use your sentence to segue because because what might as well. Speaking of PS3, <laughs> oh boy, segue. So yeah, I'm sure I'm sure many people know about this, but uh, let's recap it and talk about it. Sony has decided after I guess this the well I guess we're going to talk about it after what I don't know exactly. Okay, we're not going to close the store. The PS3 store, the Vita store, all that stuff that we're going to close, not going to close. Everything remains open. Mm-hmm. And will remain so indefinitely, according to them. Until further notice, essentially. Yeah. Which, like, I don't even know what to make of it. Like, what was the point? What what convinced them? How can... Was it a ploy? Like, is this really sustainable? I have so many questions, and I'm sure Sony's not going to answer any of them. It was one of two things. It was either a ploy to try and draw drive up interest in it once again, even though it's even though we're talking about a couple of generations ago, or the other side of the coin would be that they honestly didn't expect as much backlash as they got and decided keeping the fans happy was worthwhile. Which the second one sound makes the most sense to me. But it also sounds so stupid because, like, how could they not know that would be the backlash? How yeah. well, maybe how because could... it was a couple generations ago, they just literally thought, okay, well, nobody's really going to use it anymore. Except when have we seen the conversation of Sony keep making our old games accessible ever stop? Every new generation of console comes with, hey, Sony, are we going to be able to play our old games? Like, and everything that comes with that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, no one ever accused um no one ever accused um big execs of having their finger on the pulse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and again, that's why it makes that second one so believable, but it sounds like such a cop out. Like even if that is true, it's like, well, you guys are just fucking suck at your jobs because how do you not know that? <laughs> Oh boy. Admittedly, like some people are saying, it was a ruse to drum up business for it because it's like, oh no, we have to buy everything on the store now because otherwise I won't be able to play it because you'll, uh, when I looked into it, they did state that w- uh, like when they were going to shut them down, supposedly, they were going to shut down the ability to buy games. Mm-hmm. Your download, uh, like everything that you've purchased on it, uh, would still be available for download. So it wasn't like it was going to be completely going away. But at the same time, it's like, like if my download is still going to be available, and let's say that there's somebody out there that literally has purchased like hundred uh, like almost 80% of the shop i know that's technically impossible <laughs> but there's I mean, probably some... it's not technically impossible it's just fiscally irresponsible because nobody <laughs> is going to like 80% of every game on there yeah um, maybe 79 <laughs> but it, it's one of those things of like if 
by proxy, like, you have enough users that still want the games and you have, like, 100% of the stuff downloadable, why not just keep it open? Because then right. just... Um, and that's the thing, is that it's like... It, it turned into the argument of do we or don't we kind of thing, and it's like, well, uh, like, money is money, and... I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going like, well, if they shut it down, we'll figure out a way of essentially uh, getting a bootstrapper in there, and then you can just upload everything onto it uh, from a USB drive if you absolutely wanted to at that point. So... Um, it's just, it just fires off all these cynical parts of my brain that no, don't normally fire off. Because all the all the things all the conclusions I land when it comes to this to this whole thing is like like ends in some stupid or money grubby or both type of conclusion and like none of it like makes me feel good about about Sony. Yeah, Ed Melly, like that's that seems to be what's kind of going on is that Sony's been doing some really weird um like design uh, choices lately but that's cuz like uh a lot of people are saying that it's probably like this probably got started when they decided to move the Sony head uh, games uh headquarters to California and then they started uh basically taking down every other uh, softcore titty game from the Sony stores. Because, oh, I am an American, and my sensibilities are different from Japanese, and so I don't like this porno game. Eat not porno game. It is yeah. dating sim. Uh, I, I don't think that's true. The, uh, to me, it's free. I I always feel like the Japanese sensibility is harsher than when it comes to that. Well, it, it's harsher and not quite. And I know me and Jason have had this argument with you before, where we've literally pointed out, like, here's a big example of Sony censorship, and you're like, oh, okay, and then you're like, nope, nope, it's not that bad. It's like, no, it's that bad. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that Sony isn't censoring stuff. I mean, I, I guess I could also say a lot of places do because everyone's so twitchy about, like, AO ratings and blah, blah, blah. But, like, to me, I don't think that's not, that sensibility is is squarely on the American side of the house. Yeah, but when the fact is that it was a game that was set up for purely Japanese audiences, not releasing outside of Japan whatsoever... And they're trying to tell these Japanese uh, game developers who have little to no, uh, like, little, uh, little or no remembering of English classes from high school, trying to present to American executives on trying to get the game released in Japan. Think about that for a moment. Well, I'm trying to. I mean, and maybe this might have to be a conversation for a different day, but, like, for me, I don't see why that would mix. 
they you their games they, are localized all the time. So like if if what you're saying is true, it's what, not localization. They're just trying to get a game published in their own country. Yeah. So and like not why, export it anywhere else. But dealing with the uh but dealing with the board that is in another country, even yeah. though that other country isn't even in the loop for where the game will be going out. Is the kind of the challenge there where the US is uh, being involved in making the decision of what's allowed to be released in Japan on what was at least once ostensibly a Japanese console. So I guess that's where I get confused. Like, did, could they? I can see them having say in the like, development of a game, sure. But once the game is developed, you, you mean it sounds strange that they would butt in on what 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 They're version of it on the publishing side of it. Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Like that sounds weird to me. Why would they bother with how it's going to be published overseas versus stateside? Like not again, overseas. Not overseas. Overseas is sitting in on the publishing on whether to allow a game to be published for their console. Mm -hmm. So, Americans sitting in on what is probably just a publishing just for Japanese mm -hmm. on a Japanese product aimed at Japanese. And the Americans have final say if it gets published or not. Yeah, that's what sounds weird to me. That's the exactly. point. Is that's, that's the problem. What's happening? Japan, Japan uh, uh, developers in Japan developing a game for release in Japan are having to come to the U.S. and pitch their game for release on the console only in Japan. The U.S. is getting, or the the, uh, the uh, publisher in this case, or Sony, whether whatever you want to classify them as, the hardware, the console. Is they uh, Sony in the U.S. is making a judgment call on whether a game by a Japanese developer should be released in Japan? Hmm. And basically, that's what's happening. Right, uh, that's been happening right now. Is that Japanese devs are having to pit, uh, like, are giving up trying to pitch to Sony anymore because, oh, it's all American sensibilities. They don't, tr uh, unlike. Nintendo, where if you're going to be pitch uh, like Nintendo, like most of the time it's like they, uh, like if uh, some of these games that were coming out for Sony, they're just going straight to Nintendo now because usually the biggest question is like, are you going to be publishing this just in Japan or are you going to be publishing this internationally with us? And if they say just Japan, then it's just a small team that knows it's like okay we'll take a look at with japanese sensibilities mm -hmm. whereas if you're going to be publishing internationally they tend to have a couple people also on the board that will be more representatives of that area so like americans will sit, be sitting on it if they're going to be publishing in america or europe uh, and europe um versus literally having a bunch of Americans sit down in front of a bunch of Japanese developers trying to say like pitch a game to sell on their console for Japanese audiences and only Japanese audiences and the Americans are going like I don't like this because it's not my sensibility not to mention the the, the other side of that coin and I apologize I may have spaced out and missed this 
if you already said it, but the other side of the coin is these uh, developers who have traditionally only worked with, in this case, Sony for releasing in Japan, suddenly now have to have people who are used to working with Americans and not just necessarily our sensibilities, but our way of coming at and doing business because we do have a very different attitude on business as opposed to uh, mm -hmm. the Japanese, the the more Japanese approach. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know a lot of pieces to this. Yeah. There's a lot of pieces and it's probably saved for a different episode. Probably something more on a front row perspectives episode, really. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like we may have actually touched on this in an FRP. I don't know how deep we went because I remember us having this conversation before, or at least you and me, Asher. Yeah, I I think this was part of the uh, localization lo localization episode where we touched upon it because that's when it was starting to come to light about stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, it, and so. Now that we, uh, it's one of those situations where it's like, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's come to the point where nobody is willing to try and, uh, uh, like publish on Sony anymore, unless you are a big name studio or trying to publish internationally. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, if we if we do that one of these days, I'll I'll definitely look more into it so I can be more educated on what I'm talking about. Because yeah, I guess I guess I'm being superficial with my thinking here. So I mean that's my fault, obviously. So, but yeah, yeah. totally interesting. Which yeah, I, I guess you're. But you're right. I guess I know we went on a huge tangent there, but it does kind of circle around like how much of that is to do with Western business influence. Or yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I say that, but we—I mean—at the same time, we have Microsoft that has no problem trying to to make games available from from a million years ago. So, yes, yeah. other side of that coin. That one is like that's because like literally all of the Xboxes have been pretty much Windows architecture, and literally Microsoft has announced that on the Series X. Oh, yeah, you want to play an old game? We're just going to basically load on an emulator that allows it to emulate that version of the console. Which, guess what that sounds like? <laughs> Windows 10 and its uh, version of trying to... How do you want to open yeah. up this app? Do you want yeah. to open it up as like Windows 98? Windows compatibility 7? mode. Yep. It is literally <laughs> compatibility mode. And which I mean, goes back to why, why I'm so cynical about the Sony thing. It's just like it, it just lends that like they don't this is a lack of care from from the inception, because like you kind of like saying there's there's an ongoing like evaluation of this at, on the Microsoft side of things. Like, how can we make this, you know, progress in a in a controllable trajectory? And Sony just like absolutely does not seem to give a fuck about that, where the point of they're ready to close that store is because it's a little annoying to have them open. Until we I, apparently until we give them enough money to keep it open, which is like great. We succeeded in keeping the PS3 store open, but at a literal cost. Instead of them being being thoughtful and considerate about their fucking base, <laughs> so uh. yeah. I mean, like we could always drop it down to, at the end of the day, money speaks louder than words. Which... And I, yeah, I mean it's true. Yeah. 
And and I think the only thing that, that, that still hurts my heart even thinking about that is that man you want our money and you're still not even smart enough to do that like jesus <laughs> like it's easy to take our money and you won't even do that well uh i could probably on a side note mention this because th- this is like one of those niche things that i kind of fall along with and me and mpx had a small conversation about it but uh so we know uh like I play a gotcha, MPX plays a gotcha. Eddie, I think you've tried playing a gotcha multiple no. times. Yep, Kingdom Hearts, baby. As and well the Tales, the Tales of. One. Yep. Did you, are you still doing that one or not? No, no, I, I, three months in, I was like, okay, I'm over this. <laughs> Just stop taking my money. <laughs> well, um, there was a uh, gotcha game that was tied to a series that was very well-beloved in Japan. But just to put it out is that it failed horribly because in every aspect, the game has failed. It didn't capture the fans of the original game series. Uh, the Everybody that could have been interested in it is like, I'm not going to spend a dollar on this, which tells you immediately one of the major reasons why it failed is the fact that if you can't get whales or can't get anybody to spend money on it, <laughs> it's not going to survive as a gotcha. Yorp. And it was not going to be... Ted, uh, they were going to test it out in Japanese waters first before seeing if they could release it internationally. And I hate to say it, it probably would have failed internationally because I think only three games out of the seven were released internationally and that game series is sakura wars it sounds familiar so uh only three games came stateside uh as far as i know uh one of which was the new uh or shin sakura wars which to be honest, a lot of the people that I've heard talk about it says that's what Sega should have been focusing on, on doing more instead of trying to do this gotcha stuff with it. <laughs> but, A, the Sakura Wars gotcha was uh, released back in December 2014. They have announced that it will basically be closing its door, uh, closing its doors June 30th. Ouch. And all in-app purchases are disabled as of April 22nd. No, that's too bad. Yeah, man, but yeah. That's the fastest a gotcha has died. And you did not do well. Four months. Four months before they completely stopped it. And, and I'm pretty sure Sakura Wars is like a, a brand, like not a unknown brand. It, it, it is a brand, and those that know about it are fairly interested in it. But this is a... Uh, I'm uh, The reason why I sidetracked is this is an example of money speaks louder than words in the fact that they could not get a lot of people to spend money on it. There were a few other factors, but that was a major thing with this is that if you can't get somebody to wail on a gotcha 
Oh boy, you have <laughs> failed. Um. So. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Because that that's an example of. Yeah, no, money speaks louder than words. Yeah. In, a, in that case, the lack thereof did it for him. <laughs> okay, we're not making money off of this, which I guess is what could have happened to the PS3 store if no one did what they did for that, which yeah. just kind of goes back to the chicken and the egg on that conversation. What came first, desired to keep the store open and get people to buy more more money, or, oh, people still care about this? Okay, we'll keep it open. Yeah. Okay, with that, no fun segues. Let's move on to the, ne- the next thing. Just because I, I, I kind of, I want to turn this into a, a kind of more meta conversation as well. Jeff Kaplan oh. leaves Blizzard. Jeff Kaplan being the 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 face and very important part of the Overwatch game. I don't know why, I, like I felt lost the word there, but yeah. So Jeff Ka- Kaplan's leaving Blizzard. He was in charge of Overwatch, and now he's leaving. And, uh, I mean, the reason I, I thought it was worth bringing up is that, like, I don't know if it's a big deal or should it be a big deal? I don't, I, it, to me, it just sounds like someone wanting to move on with, with, with something else. Poor guy's probably been done nothing but Overwatch like the last, like, what, five years? So maybe thought it was, to me, that just smells of somebody's just done and wants to move on. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I, I'd probably say that like it's it's kind of sad that uh, basically the face behind or the face of uh, Overwatch is gone. But then again, it's I, I it may be due to some other uh, 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 extenuating circumstances because I've been hearing a lot of people just complain uh, uh, complain about Overwatch lore in general lately. But then again, like who hasn't tried to complain about uh, insert uh, franchise IP? Yeah, something here, uh, especially when it's not necessarily narratively driven. Like, you, like if you're coming to Overwatch just for the story, they don't want you. <laughs> That's like they want you to play the game and, and spend money on them. I guess the story helps with that, but like, like what? <laughs> I mean, like, there there are people out there that do play games that have little to no narrative story, and abs- uh, at least in gameplay, and then absolutely love the lore behind it. Take a look at freaking Dark Souls. Yeah, fair. Because lore, uh, like, that's literally how everything is done. Is like, it's like the the story of the game is literally you're an undead. Go light the torch become uh, become the light bringer whereas the lore is like well there's been other times when people have done it and look at the mess they left behind for you and you know and then i guess when you say it that way maybe i i have been looking at it wrong because for me overwatch is just a team-based game you play with some friends and you, you go at it like the yeah. the lore is just like fun like fun little you know like you know, icing on the cake. It shouldn't be the cake, but and, yeah. But then again, like I guess that's part of it, right? Like that the icing is part of the cake, because with mm-hmm. like in your example of Dark Souls, like if it was just a game where things kick the shit out of you, 
I guess yeah, that would be fun to agree, but it all but the story really ties that all up. So I guess yeah, I guess there's that perspective too. Yeah, there there is a uh, there are a few that like their games and like their story. Some like them separated, some like them integrated. Dark Souls is one of those weird ones where it's like you see the effects of the lore affecting the world, uh, like the the after effects of the lore affecting the world, but not something that gets like either expunged to you or um you you live through the events where it's like uh trying to find a good example of this um okay tales of symphonia Ooh, the whole uh regeneration of the world with colette is that oh hey oh that's right bad things happen to colette when she starts doing strange stuff with uh, regenerating the world because technically she's a living sacrifice for Colette. Justice for Colette. Whereas it, if we tried to convert that to a Dark Souls series, uh, you may have a few uh, like things that like, oh, this used, uh, this used to be an artifact from the regenerator of the world and it mentions maybe her last name in one of the pieces of the thing and you're like, oh, I wonder who this person was and what happened to them and then, like, you get an implication with, oh, you fight what remains of Colette as a boss fight, but you don't <laughs> know that until you get the boss soul. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. Now, now oh, that you're done yeah. saying this, I want someone to make the mod. Someone make the Dark Souls mod where this works, <laughs> where this happens. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, so to circle back on the original topic here, so, like... I guess the, the for me the moral was that I don't know if Jeff Kaplan leaving means anything for the game or even for Blizzard. It's just some guys moving on. But I don't know. Is there another take you think there is there to be had there, David? Fates. Uh, I could probably say that some people will miss him, but I'm not sure because I'm not a big fan of uh of Overwatch personally. Mm-hmm. So, no well, clue on. Let me give it to you this way: Do you think this says anything about Blizzard? Because I know Blizzard has have has had their issues over the years, and you know they've had a uh, an iffy reputation as of late. Do you think this reflects any of that? Um, it could be. It could not be. I mean, like, there's a million different ways you could technically interpret it is that a he's moving on because he's finished a he's moving uh b he's moving on because a executive said like oh you're you're not bringing in what we could be doing so time to get a new blood c uh there was a bunch of fan at backlash based off of quotations toxic uh player behavior so we, we're gonna have to put somebody as a scape i I haven't seen exactly any interviews with Jeff Kaplan yet. So I don't know what it could be. That's sure how I usually base it off of. Is there's some the, strong NDAs there. Yeah. <laughs> is that I, I, I want to see an interview with him, or at least, e even if it's just like him talking about like 
because uh, like there may be an NDA about active projects with Blizzard, but they technically can't NDA his reason for leaving Blizzard. Technically, the only time they would be able to NDA that is if it was an executive decision to let him go. Hmm. Because, like, if it's his own thing, he'd probably just say, like, I'm moving on to bigger and better things, which that could be easily construed as, A, he couldn't uh, he couldn't use his own creative thing on it, or B, um, somebody told him to basically up and leave. <laughs> Your time is, 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 in, is out. Go, go, be gone. Yeah. Run away and never return. Okay. So let's get into some major media that happened over the week over the week that I think it might be worth getting into real quick. Um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier just, just ended its six episode run this last week, and you know, I don't. I think I might be the only one among us that watched that one, but I I can tell you it was a good good ride. I would recommend going going back to watch it at some point if if you have interest in the MCU. Um. I will. I will say that there's a. Uh, it gets a little political, but I'm okay with that in 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 my stories, and I think it's for the best anyway. But so there's that. Watch it. It's good. Um, and I think they even announced that based on the. Well, I don't know. They might have had a plan before knowing Marvel, but they're already in talks to continue with a Captain America four movie. So, which spoiler will make the. Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, the new Captain America. Well, he already is. Spoiler for the series, but but now he'll get his own Captain America movie. Uh, the, other, the other one I saw on Friday was Mortal Kombat, and I wanted to watch both Mortal Kombat and Godzilla talk about it this time, but I did not have a chance to watch Godzilla. So I can only uh, speak to Mortal Kombat. I want to go see GVK myself, and it's one of those, like, Probably should do that very soon. Yeah, we can. If you do it in the next couple of weeks, we can talk about it on, 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 on the mic. So, incentive. Um, but yeah, Mortal Kombat. People want to oh. see. Uh, I was just gonna say, Mortal Kombat's definitely on the list for me as well. Uh, although I'm not going anywhere, and I don't have HBO Max, but it's, I do want to see it. I, I will tell you that it, it is worth the watch. It, they did a really good job with it. Um, it could, I think they still it could have done a lot more. I don't know, like I, I don't know what you could do to make a great Mortal Kombat movie. Like, it, it is. I mean, for, in all honesty, it is a premise that works because it's a video game premise and it works in a video game. Not that this ap- adaptation was bad, but I don't know how you would really improve on it. Except like there was a couple story beats I thought was a little off, or like. Their explanation for things were a little off, but like it was still fun to watch. Kano was definitely the breakout for me. Like when you do finally watch it, Kano was like the best part of the movie for me. Which is not standing against everything anybody else, but like that, that one was the most memorable for me. Um, the martial arts is world's best. Well, everything technical for sure is better than it was before. Like obviously, you know, this is twenty years since those '90s movies were made. Everything on a technical side is obviously worlds better, but 
I think even besides that, they did a, they did a, lot, of, a lot of other details that aren't necessarily technically related a lot better. Like the costumes were uh, made more sense or looked better or more well more well done. Their commitment to doing some fatalities was was fun. There, mm-hmm. it it wasn't as campy as as the the nineties versions of the movies, but there was you know some cheekiness to it that I thought was good. So I kept hearing that it was it was definitely. Um, it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't the same type of, uh, campiness, but it was still just campy. Yes, I would, I I would agree with that. They weren't being cheesy with what they did, but there was, there was a sense that, man, we're making a video game movie. We're not going to take it that seriously. And, which (laughs) I think is fine, because I think Mortal Kombat doesn't take itself fucking seriously. (laughs) No, it doesn't. So, so, like, it... It, it makes sense. I think they could have tightened it up a little bit better, but that still wasn't that bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it, what it was. There's just a lot of details that I thought could have been better. And I think the only other thing, the only thing I would say is that if you're expecting a, like a movie tournament arc, no, that's not what this is. <laughs> they have very much not going to show you a tournament. <laughs> Which I guess is their, which I guess makes sense to me. Like you can't yeah. have, you know, a tournament where everybody but your final person is the one left alive. I mean, not that the first movies did it either, right? I mean, it isn't like everybody fought each other until there's only one person remaining. Like again, they like just the had game. a bunch of random fights. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They had a bunch of random. They had a bunch of random hero goons, and that they killed off most of the villains, and then they had a bunch of random hero goons. And then the ones that actually mattered, they just said, oh, okay, well, we're just going to immediately jump to the final fight. We're not going to make the the rest of the heroes fight each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aside from Kano being a breakout character, I will say I had a... I think they did a good job with, with the Sub-Zero versus Scorpion thing going on, which, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything with that. It's pretty much telegraphed, but they did a good job all, all together with that. And if they do more of that, in the next movies, because there are going to be more movies. That's official now. I think we have a lot to look forward to. Okay, so then with that, that just leaves one last conversation worth having, and that's on on Demon Slayer. Even though I'm saying that, I think there's one potential spinoff conversation that we were having off mic that might take us to the end here today. Sorry, no no fate stay today either. (laughs) Or ever. (laughs) So, uh, so I did go watch. I did go watch Mugen Train, the Demon Slayer movie, and I did go to a theater for it. it thankfully, it was a very, very sparse theater. I made sure I did it on purpose. It also helps that I went to watch the dub because I'm a weeb, and no one, else, and few other people, I guess, are into that. <laughs> um, probably the few, one of the few times that. <laughs> actually more in your favor to do it eddie <laughs> as much yeah. as we like we're going to uh, condemn you for it this probably <laughs> ha- uh, you're trying to avoid people i'm yeah, just more, the um was more for the fact that he called himself a weeb for watching the dub <laughs> yeah a true weeb watches the sub sir okay i guess you're right i'm sorry I was, I'm, a, I was, I, I'm admittedly a very bad weeb, and I knew that. 
I was I was trying to find some self-deprecating word for it. That's the only thing I can think of. But but anyway, yeah, I watched that one, and yeah, I could. I was kind of almost a little worried because this movie's been hyped for so much since it was released in Japan. Like it was toppling other movies. Spirit Away was no longer the number one animated movie because of this movie. And I'm like, holy shit, can it be that good? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was a good time. I I cried a little. Okay, I cried I cried a lot, but it was a good 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 movie. Um, and I guess I'm not. I mean, Fate Test. I don't know if you plan on watching it at some point, but but yeah, it's it's worth it. I guess you have to watch the whole other anime <laughs> to get yeah, to I would it. Have but... to watch all of Demon Slayer to get to it, which is not really. I mean, maybe someday, but it's not really on my um. It's not really on my radar at the moment. Yeah, I I, I was a late bloomer to to Demon Slayer. Like I had I had to talk to to Asher and MPX about it, and they were like, "Oh no, it's not bad." Because I, I guess I had heard it was bad or something, and they were like, "No, it is not. Give it a try." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, for me, it's less that I heard it was bad. It was more just uh, it doesn't really catch my interest. I think yeah. that's fair. I, I, for me, I think it's the the characters just were in, engaging enough, and I, I like the character. I like the characters enough, and the, this movie brings all that out too. Like, just if you like the characters, you're gonna obviously like this movie. It just does more of the characters. It's more characters, characters, characters. Yum yum yum. <laughs> so. Yeah, go ahead. Definitely watch that. Actually, it's probably worth worth bringing up now. I don't know if you guys heard, but in this in this movie weekend, Demon Slayer was actually the number two movie in the entire country. That I wasn't aware. Yeah, number two movie in the United States was Demon Slayer Mugen Train. Only second to Mortal Kombat. And not by a lot. We're talking about a $3 million difference in box office. Yeah. Which, honestly, the box office, of course, doesn't take into account uh, for, in the case of Mortal Kombat, the uh, HBO Max streams, obviously. Which is absolutely true. But also, Mugen Train doesn't have an at-home version version available at this point either, so... Yeah, by the time that it shows up, it's probably going to be showing up on Netflix... And slash or Crunchyroll like six months down the line from that, so. Depending. I just sort of, I just sort of have a smile on my heart thinking of all like the serious movie buffs that had to look at Demon Slayer Mugen Train as like, oh, the number two movie was what? What is this? <laughs> and them saying that it's like, oh, this movie. Why is it in media res? Who are all these people and people that watch the TV series? Like, oh, sweet. Continuation of the story and the movie bus are like, what the fuck is this? Who are these kids? What's going on? Why does that guy can do what he does? What is this Japanese animation? What is this? <laughs> Why did it beat Godzilla versus Kong? Uh, well, because that movie's been out forever. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think it technically did. If you look at first weekend versus first weekend, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I meant just this weekend. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Again, it, it it's been out for a month. Obviously, it's gonna beat a, a movie that's been out for a month. 
because the hardcore the hardcore kaiju fans already went and saw it. And sad to say, I'm not a hardcore kaiju fan. I'm I am a kaiju fan. Just uh, <laughs> I was actually planning on trying to go see it opening weekend, but it's like brain told me best not because it's not going to be good any because uh, either you're not going to get a good seat or uh theaters or will play shenanigans with you i'm like ah oh, right so so i just looked up the box office numbers and yeah um apparently godzilla versus kong uh made 31 million opening weekend nice. which actually does which if it was apples to apples against what mortal kombat and demon slayer mugen train made uh, it it would have been number one against those two, mm-hmm. but of course yeah. it's hard to apples to apples that because um, if you had all three sh- uh, uh, having their opening weekend at once, there's a real possibility that some people who saw GBK might have only seen GBK, or some people who saw GBK might not have to watch one of the other two. Yeah, that that happens. can get twisted real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But, that's why. That's why it's not fair to apples to apples. They just they uh, they all three technically had really good opening weekends. Let's leave it there. Yeah, I'm I'm just happy. It, I mean, I mean, maybe it doesn't mean anything. It could mean that it, it could just be because of all the circumstances involved that led it to us. But there is a bit of me that's happy that that, that an anime movie got that kind of attention. I mean, yeah. Even even if it came with a lot of qualifiers. Maybe another, maybe twenty years from now, it'll be more normal to see that. Another twenty years, <laughs> which to close out that brings me back to the conversation we were having off mic, and that maybe you can take me through the through this day because I think, yeah, oh. kind of like we were saying before, what this talking about Demon Slayer led me to was that it was a conversation about Juju Kaisen because recently I saw I saw a video essay about it that was really singing its praises. And it's a show that I've been, been enjoying. I haven't seen the end of it yet. I still I have three episodes, four episodes left of the of the season to, before it's over. And I'm, yeah. from my understanding, a lot of fun stuff still happens in those four seasons, or four episodes. But, yeah, there's a little bit of me that thinks that Jujutsu Kaisen is overrated or getting a lot of undue attention, but I don't know. Um... <laughs> From my perspective, it's it's a good series. I'd highly recommend it for shonen action junkies because a the fight scenes are very good, uh, very well choreographed, um, and and animated. The plotline is a little weird to try and follow along, even though it's pretty simple when you sit down and think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just that they try and put in twists and turns that really honestly do not matter. Um, but the, uh, me personally, I sit there and like, I do recommend it as a good watch. Rewatch, eh, maybe, but personally, I, 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 I'm finished, uh, watched what's currently available and I'm like, okay, cool. It's being put on the shelf. And if we get another season, I will watch that because some of the current, uh, choices that I currently have feel like utter garbage to try and watch this season 
Oh, I mean, we did, I need, I need, I need to take you through my list of the ones I've been watching and see what you think of them. But not on, not on, not on Mike. We don't need to do that here. But, uh, um, but it's also what I have access to because I hate to say this, but uh, Funimation has literally been buying everything up, uh, and barely Netflix, who uh, Netflix and amazon and crunchyroll get to fight over the scraps and crunchyroll seems to be getting uh, grabbing more of the uh slice of life and bl stuff lately um with occasionally somehow getting their hands on a really good series if they uh somehow i mean case in point case in point jujutsu kaisen yeah it's just the fact that I was hoping that Crunchyroll would get uh, Dina Zenon. And nope, apparently Funimation got their hands on it. Well, wasn't it? Didn't didn't Funimation grab the other one? I guess that shouldn't have been a surprise. Nope, because Crunchyroll got it. Is, uh, Crunchyroll got uh, Gridman before Funimation got their hands on it. Oh, I, I did. Okay. Oops, I did not know that. Yeah. And Melly, that leads into a third conversation, which we're not talking about, which is the merger that supposedly was happening, and then no from the Supreme Court. Oh, really? I didn't. I did not hear the Supreme Court put the axe on that. Did not hear that. They put an axe on it, but they said, "No, you're not going to complete this because we're going to be doing an investigation to see if." we have to filibuster this because it's a monopoly. Mm, okay. And yeah, that's the state of things right now. I guess I can kind of see that. I mean, I think actually, if it wasn't for Netflix, I think they would be like completely correct, like 100% correct, because if it's not those three... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know there's High Dive, but poor High Dive. High Dive is their own thing. Um, they'd have to compare it to stuff like Netflix, Hulu, and uh, Amazon Prime Video to see how well it does. And from the sounds of it, Amazon Prime has just kind of given up on trying to get new uh, la- the latest seasons of anime. Mm-hmm. They're just like, okay, we'll just see if we can grab something and then shunt it all up on at once. Um, so yeah, it it's one of those things of like we'll we'll see how that works because it's still under investigation for a monopoly right now. So the circle back, okay, Jujutsu Kaisen, like yeah, I, I mean I'm not hating on it. I I think it's really good, and that that whole arc between Yuji and Toto was was my favorite, like my, probably my favorite thing all anime season. With, very, with few exceptions but like i don't know it's just i i think more than anything it was the it was the ops and the eds that people hyped about and i only care about the first ed and i skip everything else <laughs> i never watched the the opening but once and i'm like no this is not doing it for me i don't feel a bop i'm not here for it and i just skip it eh. uh the opening uh the opening is much more sedate and kind of like okay it's a thing and like most uh 
uh, most openings, it spoils a lot of shit if you actually paid attention to it. <laughs> but, eh, it is what it is. Um, probably one of the uh, few series that I actually am watching the season is uh, one labeled uh, "To You, uh, Your Eternity." But we can save that for a later conversation. Okay, but... yeah, because I don't, I don't think I heard that one. So yeah, that might be worth talking about some other day. Um, yeah. So then with that, yeah, I think we've reached the conclu- conclusion of our recording. Anybody oh, have so any? We're, we're, we're not, we're not even going to talk about Among Us. Oh boy, we... yeah, there, there's going to be an update fairly soon about that. You know, I've been hearing a lot of people just being super. Super annoying about Among Us. How can you really be super annoying? Yeah, how can you be super annoying about Among Us? Um, just the fact that the whole memes about like, oh, hey, look, this looks like an imposter. I'm like, oh, me personally, I look at it and I'm like, <laughs> okay, so whatever. Moving you're on. About the, you're talking about the Suez Canal. No, not uh, the Suez Canal. The boat. The fact is. <laughs> The boat. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Asher, right? The boat where yeah, everyone yeah. Said, said they could yeah. see it. Was was that photoshopped? I heard it was photoshopped, actually. I I thought it was photoshopped. I'm not too sure myself. Because I looked at it and it's like, <laughs> they can't be that. That looks way too uniform to be like real. The me- the the among us memes are strong though. It's true. The Among Us meme verse. Uh, the only thing. The only thing is, I just as a couple things. Of one was the update, and then uh, which, of course, I mean, some of the stuff like uh, we're adding new colors. We're doing this with our visuals. We're doing that with this. Uh, some of the stuff the uh, mod community's already been kind of doing, but the big thing is apparently going up to fifteen player lobbies, which is going to create for a lot more chaos and is going to probably change the game meta quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, is that uh, there's been talks among some of the bigger, uh, among some of the bigger Among Us streamers that they are going to be moving away from Among Us, uh, that they're getting ready to uh, retire the game from their active playlist. Uh, the one Aww. that comes to mind in my case is uh, Disguised Toast. Huh. Which is, it's unfortunate, but, you know, if it's not fun for him, then it's not content he wants to make. And if it's not fun for him, then by all means, dude, move on. Find something that you do want to do, and the real ones will keep supporting. Yeah, 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 that makes perfect sense. You don't want to make somebody keep playing a game or feel obligated to. I mean, I guess for the sake of the game, you know, just thinking about those developers who stopped making that second game because they got so much more going on that first one again. Like, mm-hmm. if they had this April update coming where they're making a whole new changes, it would be a little sad if people left before the changes came to fruition. Maybe 15 mm-hmm. players really changes it up for, for for that guy. Yeah, and I mean, that's one that's one streamer out of, you know, all of the streamers that are, uh, that are really, both the ones that are blowing up on Among Us, uh, the smaller content creators that love it, uh, even the people who don't stream that love it. So, I mean, I'm not saying, obviously one person isn't indicative of the entire fan base and if his friends are all still playing it his uh his group he is he's of course with uh offline tv for anyone who doesn't know and also 
uh, tends to uh, a lot of their friends, uh, um, a lot of the other streamers that they play with that are considered the and friends of offline TV and friends like um, Jack Septicai, like Markiplier, like Bretman Rock uh, have been playing with them as well. If they've got a big group for that still and they're like, hey, I need a 15th, I'm sure that he's going to pop on and join them. Yeah. I didn't play enough Among Us. Maybe I should play that again we, at some point. We barely played amongst our own friends and then just kind of fell apart. Mm -hmm. To be honest. And honestly, we, we 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 were never in the running for the fifteen player lobby. Let's let's be let's just be straight <laughs> up on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would like to, if we can get our hands on um the Town of Us mod. Which is which adds a lot of other roles, almost like a, a, a town of Salem level amount of roles. Ooh. I'd love to see mm -hmm. if we can get like a big group and do one of those because some of those are a lot of fun. Oh yeah, all right, add that to the wish list. Yeah, if we can ever find that mod, because the challenge the challenge is with um, Among Us mods, uh, from what I've been understanding, is that I, the mod developers have to um they they either have to do it in a small private group type of thing or they have to just fucking throw the gates open and make it open to everyone but apparently because uh i mean obviously they're going through the effort of developing it so mm -hmm. if they're going to throw it open to everyone there's got to be something in it for them but they can't sell it because obviously they're selling what's essentially a, a minor modification of someone else's property. Mm -hmm. Same reason that Minecraft uh, modders can't sell their mod packs. They just have to put them out in the open. But obviously yeah. there's a lot of work that goes into coding these. They don't necessarily want to just throw the floodgates open. So it's a matter of finding, you know, the right pack and also the people who actually want to share that right pack. Like those drop. Uh, and of course, as I say that, as I say that, I searched Town of Us, and it is actually available. So, Yay. oops. Um, actually, that is a, that is an option. Nah. All that drama you put out there. Yeah, it happens. Uh, all right, y'all. With that, just some usual reminders. Fridays and Saturdays, you can catch us streaming here in the evenings at FRG, Front Row Geeks on Twitch. Um, we have this podcast that comes out every basically every week or sorry this one specifically comes out every other week and then in tandem we we have frp that comes out on our off weeks so back and forth so keep your eyes and ears open for all of those and as always feel free to support us in any way you can we appreciate it we appreciate just having you all around and watching us play video games woot this living the life any final words gentlemen Onomatopoeia. Do 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, bye, everybody. See you next time. Bye. bye. <laughs>